0: Uh, A few years ago, a man named Walter Hooper was having a conversation with C.S. Lewis. Uh, And the conversation was something like this. They were discussing what would happen if a group of friendly Martians, I don't know why they had to be friendly, but they were were friendly Martians, and they landed at the University of Oxford, and they started asking people, what is Christianity? And Hooper and C.S. Lewis were, were talking about what would people say? If the friendly Martian showed up and said, what, "Explain Christianity to us," how would people reply to that? What would people say to that? And what they came up with was that most people would probably see it as an opportunity to voice their complaints about the church, uh, but that many people wouldn't be able to give a very accurate description of what Christianity was at all. That that most people would not be able to get, be able to give a good answer to that question: What is Christianity? And I think that's probably true today as well, that, that most people, even many professing Christians, don't understand what Christianity is all about. And I think one of the big reasons is that God has claimed to reveal himself in the Bible, this, from which we're about to read this passage. He's claimed to reveal himself uh, in the Bible. And many professing Christians actually don't know this book, the Bible, very well. And because we don't know this book very well, we don't know God very well, and we don't fully understand what Christianity is all about. And if that's going to change, we actually have to, to to steal a phrase from from Eugene Peterson, we have to eat this book. We have to, to get the contents of Scripture inside of us. So that it begins to change, not just what we know, but, but who we are as well. Uh, and if, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, then I would just encourage you that if you're really going to investigate what Christianity is all about, then you really have to look at this book. Because that's where we see what Christianity is and what the central message of it is. So, uh, if you look in your Bibles or in your bulletin there, we're going to read 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 22. This is God's word. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, um, We do thank you for this book, the Bible, that you've given us. Uh, And we pray right now as we discuss uh, the contents of this particular passage that you would open our eyes and our hearts and our minds so that we could understand it correctly uh, and that by your spirit you would give us the ability to to do what it says. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to paint a couple of scenarios for you. Uh, Imagine that tomorrow morning you go online and you check your bank statements and all the money's gone. All right, all your 401k money, all your savings account money is just all gone. Now that would be a life-changing event, right? Uh, Temporarily, it might put a crimp on things. You have to cut some corners so you get it straightened out. But what if you couldn't get it straightened out? Then that really would change everything, right? Uh, you would be living a very different life in the future from the one you're living in the present. You'd have to live like you don't have any money because you wouldn't have any money. But let's flip it around. What if instead of no money you go and check all those accounts in the morning and you've got millions of dollars. Okay, much, a much better scenario. You've got, you've got millions of dollars and <clears throat> that would be a life-changing event as well. You would have to learn to live like you had no money. You would have to learn to live like you had a lot of money. And I figure most of us at least think we could do that pretty well, right? We can, we can probably handle that. I don't have to give you instructions for how to do that. We, we'd figure that out. Both of those would be life-altering events. And we'd have to learn to live in light of the event that had taken place. Peter here is pointing us to a life-changing event that has happened in the life of In the lives of believers. He points us here to a time. He points believers here to a time when in verse 22. They purified their souls by obeying the truth. Uh, Verse 23. He points them to a time when they were born again. Uh, Verse 3. He points them to a time when they tasted that the Lord was good. Now what's he pointing them back to? He's pointing them back to a time when they became believers in Jesus Christ. When they received Jesus as their savior, when they gave up on their self-rule, when they gave up on their self-salvation projects, and trusted in Jesus Christ as their savior. And so here Peter's saying, look, here's this event. You purified your souls. You were born again. You tasted that the Lord was good. Now, because that has happened, because that event has happened, you need to be different people. You need to now love one another earnestly. You need to put aside malice and deceit. And then he says, in effect, you need to eat this book. You need to crave the pure spiritual milk of the word of God. Uh, Peter is telling his readers, you are not who you used to be. Something happened. The word of God came into your lives. Verse 25, he says, the gospel was preached to you. And now you're a completely different person. And you should live like this completely different person. Now, some of us, you may have grown up in the church and so you don't have this experience. And and you received Christ at an early age. And so you don't have this dramatic before and after picture. But others of us can kind of get that, right? We understand what Peter is talking about here. Because we know that in our lives, there was this time when we thought, that life was all about me, that the story was all about me. We were kind of like one of those, I like to use the illustration, the, the, the baby in the extra saucer, where you just sit and there's, there's toys all around you and you just kind of spin and find something to play with no matter which way you're pointed. We kind of thought like that about life, that it's just all about me and my amusements and my prosperity and my comfort. And then we began to understand from the scriptures the story of God and his kingdom and it was really all about him and his story, and we were radically changed by that. Uh, some of us at one time in our lives were, were lost in addiction. We were caught up in ways of life uh, that were killing us or at least harmful to us. We were abusive. We were dishonest. We, we were angry at our parents. We were angry at ourselves. We hated what we saw when we looked in the mirror in the morning. And then we were exposed to the word of God. We were exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We understood that Jesus Christ came for people like me. That Jesus Christ came to rescue people who were addicted. That Jesus Christ came to rescue people who were lost in their sin. And it was like this light coming on in a very dark place. It was like being born all over again. We saw that the God of the universe loved us and was forgiving our sins in Christ. We tasted and we saw that the Lord was good we we purified our souls to use Peter's language when we obeyed and believed this truth of the gospel when we put ourselves in the hands of Jesus Christ and we said I can't save myself but you can and he did and so we understand that and Peter is saying remember that remember that life-changing moment remember how God loved you now go love one another Go speak kindly to one another. Put away the the ill will and the lying and the hypocrisy and the talking bad about each other behind your backs. That doesn't make any sense for you to, to do that any longer because that's not who you are. If you are who you claim to be, if you really tasted that the Lord is good, then that's not who you are any longer. Uh, my family. We used to to watch frequently the show Man vs. Wild. Does anybody ever remember this show? Uh, it's it started a guy named Bear Grills, He was a former uh, British special services guy, and and they would take him and they would just drop him in the middle of nowhere out of a helicopter, like with a I don't know with a knife and a piece of string, and say, All right, good luck, and and we're going to drop you in the desert or in Antarctica, uh, and you've got or in the middle of Alabama, and and you've got a You've got to find that. I'm from Alabama. They actually did drop him. They actually did drop him in Alabama one time, which is kind of funny. Um, it was in my backyard. No, um, but 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 Bear had to like wherever they dropped him. He had to find his way out of there over the course of several nights. And after the show had been on for a while, it came out that he wasn't actually spending every night in the woods. Did you, do y'all remember this? That they were, they were actually taking him out, and he was spending the night at the Econo Lodge, or probably something nice with the Econo Lodge, but, but, but they were t- he was spending the night in a hotel every night. Um, and, and so you begin to ask the question, was well, this really real? Is he really who he says he is? Or is this whole thing just a show? Is it just fake? When we come together as the church and profess to believe certain things, and then we leave here, and we don't love each other. When we hold grudges against one another, when we badmouth one another, it raises the question: Was it just a show? Is it real? Or do we really believe what we say? We believe. Uh, the Discovery Channel was the channel that that uh, Man vs. Wild was on, and in in the interest of profitability. Uh, they came out and said, we're going to make a full disclosure. And from now on, any time that he's not actually spending the night out in the woods, we're going to tell you that in the show. We're not going to conceal anything. We don't want to be hypocrites about this any longer. They wanted to correct that. Uh, And that's good. And I think we should be the same way. That if we find these things in our lives, malice, ill will, deceit, talking bad about one another, as as Peter talks about here, that we should correct that. Uh, We need to be... Who we say we are. Now, the $500 question, uh, how do we do that? How do I become this person that I say that I am? You know, you say, I do believe the gospel. I do love Jesus Christ, but I'm just kind of stuck. I feel stuck by my bad temper or my unkind words or my addictions or, or, or whatever it is. And I can't seem to make any progress. How do I change? How do I grow? Uh, Peter says, I'm glad you ask." Uh, he says, as newborn babies desire, and, and this is from the New King James, we reading from now, as newborn babies desire the pure spiritual milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Desire the pure spiritual milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And Peter's pointing us to one of the main ways that we grow as believers in Jesus Christ. If you've been around a newborn baby recently, uh, you may have a first-hand experience with how much they crave milk. Uh, and Peter is saying, if you want to grow as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have to crave the Word of God the way that a newborn baby craves milk. Why? Because the Word of God is what God uses to bring people to faith in Jesus, and the Word of God is what God uses to grow people up in that faith in Jesus. He uses to bring people to faith in Jesus. He uses us to grow us in our faith in Jesus. Uh, Verse 23 says that we are born again, how? Through the word of God. And verse 2 again, we grow through the word of God. So, uh, so what? All right. That's great. That's kind of standard Christian lesson, right? Go home, read your Bible. Um, What do we want to say about that? Well, first of all, it means that we really do need uh, to, to eat this book that you and I need to do whatever it takes to get the contents of this book into our souls. I think it was John Bunyan, they used to say that if you cut him, he would bleed Bible. Um, many of us, and, and, and I'm, I'll probably fall into this camp, uh, could tell you who our favorite football team is recruiting for 2028. You know, there's a, there's a four-year-old that's going to be a great quarterback for our team one day, and, and we know all of that information. Now, that's not really life-changing. You know, even if your team wins the national championship five years in a row, it's not going to change you that much. Well, it may make you more obnoxious. Um, but, but other than that, it's not going to really do a whole lot for you. Getting this book, getting the Bible in you really will change you. It really will grow you. Uh, and that, that means a couple of things. Where does it start? It starts with what we're doing right now. It starts actually with the preaching of the word of God. Uh, this is, this is kind of your main course every week. This is where you come to, to, to feast on God's Word. And, and we're really not going to make progress in our faith if we're not regularly attending to the preaching of the Word of God. You know, if you had a son who was trying to gain weight so that he could be a lineman at, at Spartanburg or Dorman or wherever, you probably wouldn't want him skipping meals. Uh, if we're regularly missing this meal then we're not going to grow as we should as believers. I, I want to read something. Uh, our church uses a confession of faith. It's called the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is sort of a summary of what we believe about key things that the Bible teaches. Like, how do you know God? What's God like? This kind of thing. Um, and I want you to, I'm going to read a couple of questions. This one first from the, one of the catechisms. It says, how is the word of God made effectual to salvation? And the, the answer is this. The Spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the word, an effective means of enlightening, convincing, and humbling sinners, of driving them out of themselves. In other words, he makes the, the preaching of the word of God, this means where God shows us our sin and he humbles us. But then it says, and drawing them unto Christ of showing us our sin but also showing us the Savior, of conforming them to his image and subduing them to his will, of strengthening them against temptations and corruptions, of building them up in grace and establishing their hearts in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. That that for whatever reason, God has decided to use the foolishness of preaching the, the good sermons and the bad ones. That God has decided to use the foolishness of preaching to, to bring us to faith and to grow us in our faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, secondly, we, got, we can't miss this meal. Secondly, it's my responsibility as, as your pastor, or if you're in another church, your, your pastor's there, to, to, to meditate on the Word of God and to prayerfully prepare sermons week after week uh, that we hope will be helpful to the congregation. But you have a responsibility in what's going on right now as well. Uh, Let me read one other question from the the confession. This is actually one of my my favorite ones. It says, uh, what is required of those that hear the word preached? Which is, is you right now, okay? You're hearing the word preached. What's required of those that hear the word preached? It's required of those that hear the word preached that they attend upon it with diligence, preparation, and prayer. Think about that. Um, How many times do you just sort of walk in rushed on a Sunday morning? Like, I'm just doing good to get here. And that's legit. Sometimes we have mornings like that. Um, My morning was kind of like that. But but how much better is it when you actually have time to pray, to prepare for prayer? for this event, not just to show up and say, well, I hope he has a good sermon today, Um, but to actually say, you know what, I need to pray and prepare that God's going to speak to me this morning. Uh, Secondly, it says, examine what they hear by the scriptures. Receive the truth with faith, love, meekness, and readiness of mind as the word of God. In other words, another responsibility you have when you hear the preaching of the word of God is to say, then is that really in the Bible? Because if I say something that's not actually in the Bible, then you, you, well, you probably shouldn't have me as your pastor. But, but then also, you have no responsibility to do it. Right? It's not binding it on you at all. But if the things that we talk about in the sermon are actually drawn from the Scripture, then you have a responsibility to, to heed those things and listen to those things and obey those things. Uh, it goes on to say, to meditate and confer of it now we don't use that word anymore really confer meditate you get to, to think about the scriptures confirms means to talk about it to talk about the word of god hide it in their hearts and bring forth the fruit of it in their lives um, how many times have you on sunday morning heard a sermon that was really good and you went and i was like man that was good i need to think about that some more and you got lunch, and you took a nap, and then you, you you know you threw the frisbee for a while. Then by supper time, you're like, "What was that? What did he say this morning? I was going to remember that, but but I don't I don't know what it was anymore." Um, how much better would it be if we actually thought about, went back, and you prepared beforehand, and took the scripture passage and read that again sometime on Sunday afternoon, or read it Sunday night, talked about it with our children, talked about it with our with our spouse over dinner to meditate it, talk about it in community groups. And one of the things I hope to do in community groups in the future is maybe write some discussion questions so that we're not just doing, all right, we're going to do something else. Now we just kind of move from Bible topic to Bible topic, but to actually let's think about and talk about what was discussed in the morning sermon to, to meditate on that. And, And if you find something where you're like, man, I need to do that differently in my life to talk to somebody about that and say, Hey, will you hold me accountable to do, Whatever it was. Um, a third thing I want to say about this is preaching is, is cumulative. It kind of builds up over time. Uh, sometimes we want every sermon to be kind of the, the knock it out of the park home run. And I, and I'm, I, I certainly do. But, but the fact is they're not all equally good. But they're, they're all the word of God. And they have this effect. It's kind of like water dripping in a bucket. And maybe that's not the best way to talk about preaching. It's kind of like this drip. Um, maybe you feel like that some weeks. But, but it doesn't, like, happen all at once, but it, but it fills up over time. And so the Word of God and, and, and sermons and preaching have that cumulative effect in our lives. So if we're going to eat this book, it, ta- it starts with this main meal every week. But then we also have a responsibility to go and to read the Word of God ourselves and to meditate on the Word of God ourselves, um, to, to, to memorize it even, um, you guys remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago, some of the, the scripture memory that some of us had done, and, and, and there's a, a lady at Mount Calvary who, who took that on, who was 75, and, and memorized these 150 scripture verses um, just in the last six months or so. I was sharing a, a shortened version of this message uh, at Summit Hills this week. I was speaking at, at that retirement community uh, and was talking about memorizing scripture, and this lady came up to me afterwards and said, any night when I can't go to sleep, I start reciting scripture verses that I've memorized. And she starts with A, and I can't remember what the verse was. Uh, but it was like, here's a verse that starts with the letter A, and then B, and then C. And she just goes through these scripture verses that she's memorized over the course of her lifetime. Now, the lesson in that is not memorize the Bible so it will help you go to sleep um, when, when you're older. But that she's memorized these, and they're, they're there. And she can draw on those, and they're a comfort to her, these, these promises of God. So uh, memorizing the word, reading the word of God, and that's not always easy. Uh, do that with another person. Don't feel like you've always got to do that by yourself. Uh, use a devotional when you do that. Table talk's a good one uh, to use uh, as a devotional. Uh, another thing that I would say about just reading the scripture on your own is to guard those times. You know, if, if, if you're going to get in shape, you kind of guard that exercise time. You guard meal time. Guard your time in, in God's word. Make sure you get that. Um, some of us are, are reading through the Bible in a year, uh, and that's helpful at times to kind of give you a big picture of scriptures. But I, I think I said this a few weeks ago, that can be dangerous too, because we begin to take sort of a check it off the list approach. And so even if you're tackling something like that, I'd encourage you to go back and pick like a section of it and really pray over that and meditate on that for the day. And say, all right, Lord, what, what are you teaching me in this section here? Um, one final thing I'd say about this, we do need to eat this book, but I want to give you a warning as well, that it's possible to read the Bible and to miss the main point. That it it's possible to read the Bible and to miss the main point. It's possible to read the Bible and miss the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, in the gospel of John, Jesus tells the Pharisees, You search the scriptures because you think that by them, by the scriptures, you have life. These scriptures testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to find life. You think that by the scriptures, you have life, but these scriptures testify about me and you refuse to come to me and have life. We should read the Bible not as one more thing to do, not as one more thing to check off on our list, not because we're supposed to, but because that's where we get Jesus Christ. That's where we hear the gospel. That's where we have communion with our savior. That's where we taste and see that the Lord is good. And because we've tasted that the Lord is good, we continue to come back. You all, we all have our favorite meals, pineapple casserole, fried chicken, whatever. And you want those over and over. Um, or maybe that's just me. But, but, but you've tasted that it's good, and so you go back to that. Once we taste and see that the Lord is good, we want to go back to his word. and So we eat this book. The second thing I want to say about this though is that you've got to to work out and not just eat. Let's say, and he's not in here right now, but I'm gonna pick on him anyway. Let's say that that Ryan Clary has decided he's gonna get ripped, alright? And and he starts he starts drinking protein shakes from GNC. right, He's read about it. This is what you need to do to get, get in shape. You drink protein shakes every morning. And he's doing that and doing that and doing that and doing that. And then one day, George calls John and says, hey, let's go work out. I got a new gym membership. Let's go pump some weights. And Ryan says, no, man, I'm doing protein shakes. I don't need to do that. I don't need to work out. Well, it's, it's not really going to do him any good, is it? It's, it's, he's not going to work out what he's been bringing into him. So he's not going to build up the muscles in his body. Some of us can be like that with a Bible we actually do pay a lot of attention to it but what we do is we go sunday morning we go to a wednesday night we go to a bible study here we go to a bible study there and we're just constantly feeding on the word of god but we're never really putting into practice what we're reading that we're not developing relationships with other people and so that we have to work out these love your neighbor commands Um, and so what i want to encourage you to do is perhaps find someone even this week within the church within the body of christ Uh, that you perhaps don't have a relationship with, and and develop a relationship with them. Begin to develop a relationship with them so that you can put into practice the commands of the Word of God. And then after you kind of do that, and and you're starting to sort of like, okay, I'm seeing how this works, find somebody who's not a believer and try to work out what you're learning in Scripture in your relationship with them. We've got to work out We've got to to eat this book, we've got to drink the protein shake, but then we've got to work it out in our lives. When I first started seminary many, many years ago, uh, I had a job working in the office and one of the people I was kind of helping out was one of the professor's administrative assistants. So Dr. Douglas Kelly was a professor and I was helping his administrative assistant. And Dr. Kelly had been translating Calvin, John Calvin's sermons on—I don't know—I think Deuteronomy. He had been translating them into English, and so I got the job of proofreading one of these sermons, not in not in French, but in but in English, uh, to see all right. Are there's not that he translated it right, but are there any kind of grammatical errors? And so you know, I spent whatever amount of time reading this sermon, and then somebody came up to me and said, "Well, did you learn anything profound?" from John Calvin and I said well you know he just kind of rambled for a little bit and I think basically all he said was read your Bible and pray Um, and y'all probably feel like that's what I did this morning that I just kind (laughs) of that I just kind of rambled for a little bit and then I said well you you know read your Bible and yeah I am kind of saying that uh, and and calvin said that and a lot of preachers down through the years have said that but but please here's why we're saying that we're not saying that to guilt trip you uh or, or to give you one more thing to do we're saying that because the lord is good and the scripture is where you taste and see that the lord is good this book the bible is where you encounter jesus christ and i know you may not need one more book to read but you do need jesus christ and so you need this book. Let me pray for us, Father. I um, I pray that you'd help us to to be who we say we are, and you've shown us that one of the one of the ways we grow into these people that we claim to be is by your word. And so, Father, I, I pray that you'd help us to get your word into us, uh, and that you would grow us up in our salvation, and that we would. Uh, find Jesus and his gospel in this scripture and be changed by it. And we ask it in his name. Amen.